0: an advisor and you're planning on retiring in the next three to five years, you know what, you're probably okay using your uh, historically proven methods. But if you're going to be in business for five years or longer, you better rethink the way you're looking at communications.
1: Hey everyone, I'm Matt Fazel from Dallas, Texas, and you're listening to You're a Financial Planner, Now What? The podcast to help you fast track your career by bringing you meaningful conversations on topics that influence new financial planners, their careers, and the lives of their clients. For the month of February, we're exploring the area of fintech. And today, Alexandria interviews Sean Brown, the president and CEO of investment research tool,
0: YCharts. They'll discuss what YCharts does for the profession and the importance of communication.
1: Up next, dive into the future of fintech and how to use data to help you communicate better with clients. This February, we've partnered with YCharts to profile a few of the modern tools that financial planners should be looking into. Designed for today's investors, YCharts provides powerful tools for financial planners to save time and improve client engagements. I use YCharts to research stocks, mutual funds, and ETFs, compare and track model strategies, and to keep my finger on the pulse of what's going on in the markets. Go to go.ycharts.com backslash FPA to get started on a free trial of the platform, and make sure to keep up with them on Twitter at at y
2: charts Sean thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast I am so excited our listeners get to hear from you and learn more about Y charts
0: Oh, I'm more excited on my end. Thank you for having me on.
2: So I think we should just go right ahead because I'm really excited about just the month of February. We are talking about all things fintech. And I know this is just the space where you guys are really thriving. But before we really like kind of talk about why charts um, and your position there, I want to get a little bit. Um, have at least the listeners know a little bit more about Sean. So if you could start with maybe how you got into finance or what your first job was starting out.
0: Yeah, I, um, I graduated from undergraduate with a finance degree And I realized I knew nothing about technology. So my first job out of school, I actually threw myself in over my head and became a uh, software developer at uh, what's now Accenture. Since then, it's been a a 30-year career that is always centered around software and always uh, well, predominantly around financial services and helping the financial services space uh, arm up with technology.
2: What about software was it that made you go there? Or maybe it might have just been like that was a job that was available. But how did you kind of get towards that space when you started off?
0: <laughs> you know, I, I don't I don't know if I should be completely candid about this, because I, I think the day before my um, my interview, uh, I may have gone out drinking with my friends in college and um I, I don't know that I ex- exactly knew that I was interviewing for a computer programming job. I think I thought I was going to be a financial analyst and, um, I guess enough years have passed that I will forgive myself for whatever, uh, shenanigans I might've been up to before that interview, but it was comical. I kind of found myself in a room where I thought I was going to be applying my finance degree. And I ended up, uh, getting handed a book that showed me how to program computers. And, um, I know I, I checked with my dad, who's always been um, a key mentor to me. And I said, Dad, I don't know if I'm supposed to be here. And he said, well, you're, you're, you are where you are. Make the best of it and, uh, and see how you do. And uh, that began my career, which, you know, continued going to get another finance degree, but always sticking around software, financial services and, and strategy and company leadership.
2: Thanks for actually being candid about that, because I know there's a lot yeah. of listeners like, oh, that's how I got my first job. <laughs> They're thinking that, too. Like, uh, you know, you never really quite know how you got to the first job. But hey, it's a starting point And that's what's important.
0: You know, there, there's a, there's a quote that's always resonated with me from uh, Dwight Eisenhower. That was uh, no battle was ever won without a plan. But then again, no battle was ever won according to plan. And and I think that for me, that's been the story of not only my career, but also the way I try to play the head coach is um, have a plan, but don't be so rigid in your adherence to a plan that you don't understand that things change and opportunities and doors open up and uh, be ready to pounce on them.
2: Yeah, no, that and that's true, especially for um, just getting into the finance space. I mean, this applies to all backgrounds, but. You might have all the plans of I'm going to become this successful person doing X, Y, and Z. And you have everything down to like where you're going to apply first, where you're going to school at, what kind of grades, what you're going to be involved with. And I know a lot of high schoolers even kind of go, uh, kind of have to deal with that kind of pressure of planning everything out. And being fluid is probably the biggest thing, right? It's like that plan may go a totally different direction, but I mean, you'll still hit that end point of success that you're. Truly looking for.
0: Yep, there there are different ways to get to end points. Um, some of them are straight line, but most often they're not. And uh, as long as you keep an eye on where what that endpoint is, where you want to get to, and you know, we've all got our own story. But I knew uh, I knew where I wanted to get to is I wanted to play the head coach and leader of uh, technology companies.
2: So you started off with more of learning the technology space. How did it- finance really get integrated into that
0: for you? I was naturally put on financial services clients. Uh, somebody in management above me said, hey, the guy's now got his technical chops and he's got a background in finance. Uh, let's put him on banking and, and related clients, uh, insurance related clients. So that's kind of how I was able to dovetail these two passions of mine, technology and finance, and, uh, and make a career of it.
2: I know I kind of was looking up on the LinkedIn profile and I noticed that you went to Stanford and I'm living in California. And I was like, "Yay, another Californian.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and, and my my wife uh, has not forgiven me since then uh, from moving. Uh, she was my girlfriend at the time. But uh, my first startup experience, I I left sunny San Francisco where I had gotten my degree and was working at this point as a strategy consultant. And I took a job back in cold Chicago uh, to really begin my startup career. So I love California and uh, I'm hoping my wife doesn't listen in on this podcast because she'll probably remind me that at some point we uh, we need to move back there.
2: (laughs) Yeah, if I meet her, that that I'll remind her. You won't
0: be meeting her and you won't be getting any holiday cards from us next year. <laughs> oh,
2: no, no. Not the holiday cards. I love the holidays. <laughs> well, this, so this, I'm really glad that we got to get a little bit more insight as to just how you really kind of learned or at least jumped into the space of FinTech. And I kind of want to fast forward us because I know a lot of our listeners are really interested in, to hear more about um, where you are today, but maybe you can share just a little bit about how did Why Charts even come to existence? Like, how is how did it become a company for you?
0: Uh, first thing I'd say is Why Charts preceded my tenure. Why uh, Charts was uh, founded in 2010. Uh, I joined board in 2016. So to answer your question, Why Charts came into existence because the founders, uh, who had backgrounds in um, data and and working at places like Google, had said. There's a real need in the financial services space to turn data into insights and one of the best ways to turn data into insights is through pictures and uh, hence uh, a company was founded with the word charts in the name and um, I I sometimes liken uh, a, a bit comically It's almost as if Jeff Bezos, when he formed Amazon.com, had named his company Online Books. (laughs) Um, Amazon gave him the the broad remit to kind of attack any market he wanted to. Uh, We have the word charts in our name. That is one of the things we do very best. But we're actually uh, that's one of about 10 things that we do uh, in the wealth management space.
2: I do have to share a little bit because I did get chance to really like learn a little bit more about why charts and one of the things that I found really fascinating um, just to your point about data to insights through pictures I'm such a visual learner um, and it was so cool to be able to see a lot of information be able to dissect into like a small picture right and be able to grasp all that concepts all the concepts in one snapshot and it tells such a interesting story about whatever data you're trying to actually convey. And so it makes me think like, wow, no wonder this company is so successful because that's what it's providing to the, its clients who are the advisors to then provide to their clients. And I think that that's such a really cool thing that you guys are doing. Um, and what makes you also very kind of unique in that space because you know so many people look at data and they're like, it's information. It's numbers, yeah. you know, yeah. and it just is overspill with um, how much of it can you provide to somebody?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I view charts in a way that we are a prospect and client communication company that masks itself as an investment research platform. Um, so to explain that, you know, we've got some great tools that bring together data and easy to use technology and a terrific customer support group to help people ultimately make better investment decisions. But that doesn't really matter if you're not using investment performance or insights you derive to share your perspectives with a prospective client, with an investment team, with a current client to explain why They should not jump into Bitcoin or why they should decrease their exposure to the Middle East. Um, Only when the great investment insights can be used to communicate did you really make a difference in anybody's life. So I I agree with you completely. And the, the thing that's really, really fun for me on a personal level is I get to when I'm off of work hours, I have a lot of curiosities and I use our platform nightly to answer curious questions I've got. You know, hey, what happened? I just saw uh, Pier 1 Imports is, is borderline uh, bankrupt. And I just saw this. And on my train ride in this morning, I, I quickly uh, saw an article, quickly pulled up a chart, and then was able to tweet out on my own what that uh, that fall from grace looked like to me and communicate that to those who follow and and enjoy um, seeing my posts. So I, I agree with what you're saying.
2: One of the things I actually am going to make sure I put in the show notes for our listeners is one of the articles I read um, a couple months back uh, about how Ezekiel Elliott <laughs> is like a low volatility ETF. And I was mm-hmm. like, what? Just reading a headline like that. You're like, what? It's intriguing, especially for our football fans, you know, especially right now mm-hmm. during playoffs and, you know, with the Super Bowl coming up. I think it's just so interesting that it, you can communicate stories in yeah. information that way. I think it's so... Well,
0: it, and just to give you a couple more recent examples, and and, and I, I tell you these examples only to say, um, I have a fundamental belief that advisors aren't doing enough to justify their fees. And I think uh, better prospect and client communications is absolutely a pivotal step in addressing this disconnect. So... An example of some things that are curiosities I have that I communicate uh, anecdotally. I think advisors should be doing the same thing. A couple things: um, we did an analysis on what are the impact of Trump's tariff tweets on the S and P 500. Uh, we did another analysis to say, hey, when a company like Boeing runs into its 737 Max airplane crisis. Um, what can we learn from other crises? You know, when Chipotle had its its E. coli scare and, and, and several other um, corporate crises, what can we learn about crises that help us see whether those are short, medium, and long-term investment opportunities? And so we use our own software to say, hey, um, you know, uh, Mr. Ms. Advisor, you probably have some customers or prospects who are very interested in the FANG stocks, you know, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. Um, how, it's not very hard to go create a quick chart to show how they've performed over a one, three, five, seven, and nine year time horizon and blast that out. And those at the other side of your communication say, wow, thank you. You made me smarter today. That's a value to me.
2: Let's say this. I mean, that's way more interesting, probably also to a client to receive something that's informational, but, you know, using pictures and charts than just like maybe an article that's full of information and full of numbers. That could be very interesting and receptive to a client.
0: I, I agree. And, you know, we, um, you okay if I expand a little bit on, on what I see as advisor uh, communication deficits right now
2: Of course yeah that actually t- that transitions that's good was the next thing we were <laughs> to talk about so that's perfect yeah. Yeah, please let's, yeah let's and, and
0: I, I, I'm sorry to 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 jump into I'm just so passionate about what I see as a almost a looming time bomb and and it's it's centered around this you know if somebody's gonna pay you a half a percentage point up to a, a percentage point and a quarter. For managing their nest egg. Um, The the old model of send out a quarterly statement or monthly statements and and maybe a steak dinner once a year, and and that is the the handshake you have for that relationship. I think those days are really numbered. And I think the real problem is being masked right now because we're in the 11th year of a, a fantastic. Uh, bull market. And so when everybody's looking at their statements and saying, oh, this is going up and to the right, they're not spending a whole lot of time scrutinizing, well, how am I feeling about my advisor relationship? And we were picking up on enough on this general communication uh, scarcity or, or deficit that we actually did a survey uh, in the market, um, approaching 700 respondents to our survey, which uh, was asking people who are advised, so the clients of Wealth Advisors, it was asking them, how are you feeling about communication? And we were really shocked to to find out the results, which, you know, I guess I, I'd summarize by saying communication is inadequate. It's happening infrequently, and it's it's not sufficient. And The consequence of that poor communication where I don't feel known, I don't feel like I'm getting personalized treatment, the consequence of that is my business with the advisor may be in jeopardy, number one. Number two is I'm not feeling very good about my current financial plan. And number three is I'm not going to refer my advisor to my friends and family. And so long and short is I just think there is a massive opportunity for those forward-looking advisors To really, before we see a recession and before we see uh, robos and and model portfolios able to uh, replicate what advisors do for a living, I think there's a massive opportunity to really step up communications. And and, uh, that's what we're spending a lot of time talking to the market about right now.
2: Thanks for sharing all that information. I know a lot of people are, you're listening, you're like, uh, where do we get to list, uh, reread some of this client information? So I'm going to make sure that we put the client um, communication survey that um, WineCharts has put out um, in the show notes so that way people can really reference these, um, these numbers and this feedback that you guys were receiving um, from clients. Um, but in addition to the uh, basically clients saying that, advisors are not communicating enough. Um, what other, you know, things were came out of this study that really showed, um, value for the clients that were giving the feedback to you guys?
0: Well, uh, number one is the world's changing. Uh, those that are receiving the bulk of the massive wealth transfer, you know, the millennials and, and, and the, some of the younger generations, they're not like their mother and father. Um, they like to be communicated with through different platforms. So, you know, a paper statement and an email, that's old school stuff. And and, and the generations that say, that's the only way I want to be communicated with, uh, they're aging and they're starting to pass down their nest egg to others who are saying, uh, hey, I, I like social media. I actually like texting. And again, there's some regulatory things that Uh, are are in the way of advisors addressing all of these interesting areas, but social media, um, uh, text messaging, um, regular updates for me, not uh, once a month or once a quarter, regular updates for me, periodic updates when something happens in the market, like the the yield curve spread inversion or uh, a trauma associated with, geopolitical factors, like, you got to tell me more, Uh, tell me on an ad hoc basis, Um, sometimes broadcast that to all your prospects, sometimes give me a very personalized thing, but either way, communicate with me more and communicate through the channels that work best for me.
2: That is a true point, because even being a millennial myself... Um, I always think, I bring up the example of when people ask, so where do you get your news from, right? Um, and you maybe think that like, you know, some of the baby boomers or are, are, are more seasonal people, they watch the news like on TV, right? And I think of myself, like, I don't even have cable in my home, right? So like where I get news from is, you know, Instagram or Twitter or the feeds that I have with the different apps. So if I'm working with a advisor that you know, is constantly maybe only connected to the news outlets through the television, then we might be, you know, just not seeing eye to eye. And I could see where that point is of communication is very different for the two of us, because we just use different things. And and, and it's not necessarily like you're getting like different information. I mean, we'll both be hearing about the impact of Trump the same way, possibly. But it is just that I'm going to be more open to maybe getting a, you know, some type of communication from my advisor. That's quick information, right? Um, a way to digest the information in a quick way without having to spend 30 minutes to an hour trying to learn about the one thing that has changed for the day.
0: Yep. You know, I saw a really, uh, stark example of this. Um, my family, Uh, took a little uh, sunny vacation over the last, uh, you know, over the holidays. And I watched my 11 and my 13-year-old kids and the tools and approaches they took to communicating. And they were so vastly different than what my wife and I use, which is dramatically different than what my parents use. But, you know, my kids used their phone to do everything, whether it's Uh, To remember something is notes on a phone or it's a picture to instant access to any data or any question they they want to address to using um, QR codes to learn more about things. And it was just another reminder for me that um, if your thinking stays stagnant in how you communicate with your spouse with your family, with your work colleagues, or with your customers, um, you run risks to your relationships. And, you know, if you're an advisor and you're planning on retiring in the next three to five years, you know what, you're probably okay using your uh, historically proven methods. But if you're going to be in business for five years or longer, you better rethink the way you're looking at communications.
2: And even to your point of uh, to your point about different communication styles, I think this is a great part for us to kind of talk about. You know, so you guys did this survey and it really talked and brought home the impact of communication with clients. Um, maybe talk to the resolutions that YCharts is providing um, for their users and the and their clients to um, with the software.
0: I think we basically have... A, cu- a couple recommendations. We, we have um, three recommendations, some of which we're able to help advisors about, others of which we just, you know, call it free consulting. Um, <laughs> yeah. we, we, we think number one is the forward-looking advisors need to be real clear on what their go-forward value proposition is. Um, Forget communication for now. What is your value prop? Is your value prop that I'm going to beat the market in returns and I'm an active, uh, active investor? Is your value prop that I add into other services, life coaching? Um, Is your value prop that, you know, I I handle specific market niches. I I handle um, divorced customers or widows or you know what is your or professional athletes or accountants, what, what is your niche? So number one is what's your value prop and, and, and be true to that and, and look for clients that meet that value prop. Um, number two is once you've got your value prop nailed down, commit to better communications. And, and the the way we ask advisors to think about better communications is to envision, and again, you, we can post it in, in your show notes, envision a two-by-two two matrix where one dimension of the two-by-two two is, um, are you communicating broadly to everyone or a lot of people, or are you communicating narrowly in a very personalized way? So one dimension is, you know what's the breadth of who you're communicating to, and the other um, dimension is what's the cadence or frequency. So, is it scheduled? I do this once a month. I do this once a week. I do this once a quarter, or is it ad hoc? Hey, I only do this when I have a prospect meeting tomorrow, or when there was a market disruption. And and we encourage advisors to think about their strategy to communicate. You know, in a Broadcast way to ad hoc events, and you know, example of that one is, hey, uh, what is uh, what is the the impact of the Chinese tariffs on the S and P 500? You know, you may want to broadcast that to all of your prospects and customers. So have a framework, and then once you have a framework in mind uh, and a cadence of how and when you want to communicate come talk to us and we would love to help uh, you uh, more efficiently and more effectively do those things. And, and just to give you a quick example, um, I said that we are a prospect and client communication framework that kind of masquerades as an investment research platform. Um, if your real goal is you know, in one of those quadrants, hey, I want to put out a quarterly market perspectives on what's gone on at the macroeconomic level. We create a PowerPoint template once a quarter that our clients white label. They all say, hey, I'm too busy to go find out what happened to the jobs reports, what happened to uh, housing starts, what happened to um, funds flows. We put those things together white label it pass it on to our advisors they put their logo on it add any commentary delete any commentary delete any slides and the effort to create the quarterly perspectives i think we've brought down from you know 18 man hours to 45 minutes and that's the kind of way we can help but we ask to people to come talk to us with an idea in mind on how they want to improve their own prospect and client communications
2: Man, this I've already I'm, all, I'm over here kind of taking lots of notes. <laughs> so, so, Got to be like, OK, that was re- like it's really good. And it's just really interesting to see where you guys are really making a mark in the space um, for advisors to be better. You know, um, so often we're, you know, checking in and we're worried about this or, you know, and it's just what can we be doing for our clients? It's really interesting to see how simple this is, but yet how important it is to the space for advisors.
0: Yeah. And the thing we can never forget, though, is clients come to advisors because they want to get somewhere in life and they have goals and growing their nest egg in a uh, considering risks and considering time horizons and considering milestones They want to get somewhere. So I think we can never forget that at the end of the day, the discussion has to start and end with how can you help me achieve my objectives. But along the way on that path, um, like with any relationship, I I know my wife and I, if we went a day without speaking to each other, we would feel not as connected and, and, and not as um, you know, not as attuned to each other's needs it's no different with a, a client um, thinking that it's sufficient to send them, uh, you know, a, a, a monthly statement. And again, reach out to them in October to say, can we do a portfolio review and let's do that over uh, 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 at a, over a nice stake? That wouldn't work in my marriage. And that's not going to work in, um, in the future way that advisors need to operate.
2: So you talked a little bit about, you know, the company's been around for some time, 2010. It's crazy. It's been a decade, right? And um, maybe hearing from you now, the current CEO, as um, where do you see the growth in the next three years for Y Charts and what kind of change do you see the company doing?
0: I'm, I'm a big believer in focus. Um, I'm a big believer in that in every dimension of my life, especially career. And we have of 4,000 wealth advisors and asset managers and somewhere around $750 billion in assets under management that we support. Um, Now, those are nice numbers and and my kids are are wowed at them, Um, but that's a tiny portion of the market, honestly. And so to answer your question, we're going to stay focused on really enabling wealth advisors and asset managers to succeed. And when we think um, anyone we can help has been helped, I think we'll expand into other pursuits. But for now, it's really about staying in really good communication with, you know, our target market, making sure we understand their lives and their workflows and finding some opportunities that we um, at, a, at a very reasonable price can help them be more efficient, generate better investment returns. and communicate better. And so short answer to that I just gave a long answer to is we're just gonna stay focused and, and we'll keep doing that for uh, for many more years.
2: What are you most looking forward to when it comes to like technology and and more specifically in the finance tech space?
0: I think the finance industry is way behind other industries in the way it applies technology to solve business problems. So What what I'm really excited about is the day, if if we just think about the, you know, let's go back to the advisor workflow. I'm really excited for the day where technology truly enables the workflow of the advisor. So, you know, how do I best understand a prospect I'm talking to? You know, that has to do with understanding their goals, that understands, you know, has to do with. Assessing their risk profile, um, having a perspective on where the market's going. How do I understand them? And number two is how do I tailor uh, a portfolio and a plan that addresses those needs and goals? And then how do I sufficiently monitor and manage risks once somebody's operating on a plan? And how do I keep uh, my client enlisted on the journey and understand and be communicated? And then full circle, you know, that client's going to get older, they're going to have, uh, college bills to pay. They may have other obligations they didn't originally anticipate. How do you keep that life cycle going? And how do you make that uh, tech enabled without losing the extremely important point, which is it's hard to entrust your, your life savings to a machine, There's always going to be the need for relationships and how can we free up as an industry? How can we free up as much time as possible so that advisors can actually sit and talk and brainstorm and collaborate and commiserate with people rather than spending their time trying to figure out how to make a couple software applications work together or how to download stuff onto a spreadsheet and scramble to put together a proposal tomorrow?
2: Yeah, I want that to happen now because that's that's the part that I yeah. want to do the most is talk and yeah. communicate and really just build a relationship. You know, it's kind of weird to say this, but it's like think if you didn't have any technology or didn't have to, um, your whole job was to just walk into a room and talk to somebody. Like that would just be crazy, right? It, it sounds crazy, but if everything else could be supported by Technology, like that could be very much what a future looks like. (laughs) Um, Yeah,
0: I I used to, I mean, neither of us, it's not too far in our memories where when we wanted to get to point A, from point A to point B, we had a couple choices. We had public transportation, we got the car out of the garage, or we raised our hand for a cab. And, you know, there was a lot of uncertainty and expense associated with all of those things and maybe uh, discomfort. <laughs> now we go punch a few buttons into our Uber app and we know where a car is. We um, understand how much it's going to cost and we get a consistent or, or safe ride to where we're going. And like, it's that kind of workflow change or the whole thing like Netflix coming about and... I don't have to drive to Blockbuster Video anymore. I pull up a a movie, an ad hoc movie on Netflix, spur of the moment, because it felt like the right thing with my kids. I didn't have to pre-plan that. So I just love if we really think about uh, our workflows and our lives, how can we use technology to just make them more simple so we can spend more time sitting with a blanket and and our arms Mm -hmm. around our wives and kids? And, and less time, let's get in the car and let's go pick out a movie. Oh, that movie's out. So, yeah. You know, that's my goal yeah. for the financial services spaces. Let's keep making advisors, asset managers' lives a lot easier.
2: That's an awesome goal. That's a really great goal. And um, this might be a little tied into this too, but, you know, I think of the young professionals who are maybe um, sitting at work or listening at home right now to this podcast and thinking, like, I have a really great, you know, fintech idea or a a good way to help with um, these workflows that you're talking about. But maybe they're not sure of what to do first to generate momentum. I mean, this is still a very new space in the sense that like, there's not like a track, you know, that you go to when you go to college necessarily to learn about fintech. I mean, these things are popping up more and more now, but um, not a lot of people have maybe had that. So maybe you could provide some advice to that person listening that is interested in doing something very similar?
0: Oh, you know, again, I'm, I've somehow become a a 51 year old um, gray haired individual. Um, I look now and there is no time like the present to make your idea real. Um, Data is commoditized and cheap. There's platforms like Amazon Web Services, which means you never have to go buy yourself a computer or or any kind of server. There's offshore development teams that are, um, you know, at a very, very reasonable price can be retained to create a prototype. Um, My advice would be go at it, you know, explore your dreams. You, You don't have to start a company. You don't have to raise a whole bunch of money. Uh, or, or deplete your life savings to see if your idea is real. Um, you, you have to invest a little bit, but there's never been a time where it's been so easy to try to make your digital idea become real.
2: I mean, this is where some of the technology is coming into space to help people kick off startups. I mean, that's that's basically what you're sharing.
0: Yep. So the other thing, the other thing I would say, I just offer, I, I get so passionate about this kind of stuff. I offer my personal advice to anybody who thinks they have an idea and doesn't know where to start, you know, hit me up on LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever. I'd love to help you realize your, your goals. Cause again, especially if it's in the financial services space, we have a long way to go and it's going to take a lot of bright people with a lot of great ideas uh, for us to get where we need to be in 10 years.
2: So to kind of just totally bring this full circle for the day, I mean, we've really touched on a lot. I mean, how you started into the business with your first job and then next, just really hearing more about why charts and then also really talking about that client communication survey and really just hearing the feedback from the clients, really hearing what um, advisors could be doing a little bit differently or probing themselves or questioning how could they be better. And so um, to kind of tie up the whole podcast today, I have a couple of, let's say, fun questions for you, Sean, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to wrap up the call. And then um, we'll, we'll have the listeners know where you can check for more information and make sure they follow you guys on your social media handles. But before we go there, I just wanted to ask a quick, fun question. You being a CEO of a company, are there other CEOs that you look up to for like, advice or like try to mirror or get good um, information from?
0: Yes. I, there's a combination. I, I think um, I was always inspired by Steve jobs and, and I'm inspired by Tim cook in in the aspect of relentless focus on innovation and understanding your customer. So I, I am, you know, that's, that's one of my biggest um, You know, one of my biggest sources for inspiration. Other than that, I love to pick anecdotes as I see them when I see wonderful customer service through something like, uh, you know, uh, Nordstrom or, or a Marriott hotel. Um, but no, I don't have any place I regularly go except I'm, I've been consistently inspired by, uh, by Apple.
2: It's not shocking either. I mean, you did go to Stanford, so you were like right there in the mecca of things.
0: Oh, yeah. Yes, I was.
2: <laughs> um, one of the things that I always kind of like to touch on um, is what thing that you felt that really helped catapult you in your career? Um, you know, it could be small, it could be also maybe a job position or change, but what really helped or what do you feel helped um, you really kind of hone in on your career?
0: I've always lived by uh, a couple principles that have have helped shape you know where where I've wanted to get to and the path I followed. And one is always understand the big picture. You know, when I was a very junior level employee, it wasn't sufficient for me to just know to create code. I wanted to understand how the code was being used and what the person who was using it, what their life was like. So, always know the the big picture. Um, Make sure you are consistently focused on the customer and making the customer a success in whatever line of business that you're in. Um, Always be a hard worker, but be, um, be enjoyable to work with, check your ego at the door and, and make work fun and be humble. And then, you know, understand what, drivers your boss has and do what you can to make your boss successful. I've just always found, and I don't say that in a, in a you know, in a, a, a way that in a slimy way, I just say your boss hired you and, and has you working for them for a reason. And if you understand how you can make their lives easier, they can probably advance in their career, which leaves a seat open for you. So those are kind of always been my big guiding principles and, um, you know, not hiring jerks and, <laughs> and and making work enjoyable and stressing culture. I've always found that um, stressful things
2: tend to happen. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with your uh, make uh, things enjoyable and then also the culture of a company. Um, uh, I know now people, once we kind of tell them where to find you guys, I follow you guys, follow you guys on social media and Instagram. It was just really cool to see how, You know, your guys's office did like the breakfast, the brunch, you know, in the morning in the office, and like what kind of fun activities you guys are constantly doing activities in the office, and I'm just like, now, it besides just saying, oh, that's a fun place to work, it really just looks like people enjoy what they do there, you know, Um, and they really feel like they're making an impact.
0: I think that's absolutely true, and it's it's tremendously rewarding for me, especially since I'm I'm not a spring chicken. It's it's really neat for me to see people who are lightning smart, collaborative, and, and like working together, and just to see them grow and, and achieve on a common mission.
2: Well, again, thank you so much, Sean. I want to leave the time for you to kind of share with our listeners where they could find you um, and contact you, especially if they have that burning idea that they want to share, but I'll let you go ahead and do that.
0: Yeah, a couple things. First of all, please follow me on uh, either LinkedIn or Twitter. At, at Twitter, I'm at Sean, S-E-A-N underscore Charts. Um, I, I just love sharing what we're seeing in the market. You know, we're not a, a high pressure kind of sales team. We, we hope to build a relationship, um, hopefully make people a little bit smarter and to the degree that turns into, a, you know, a relationship where people use our software. Great but more importantly is, is um, getting to know people. So follow me, come visit us at uh, whitecharts.com and uh, otherwise, um, you know, feel free to contact me. I'm happy to help any financial services, tech enabled dreamer out there to uh, I, I share some more stories with you and see if I can help you out.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much again, Sean. This was great. That was
0: a thrill. Thank you.
1: This February, we've partnered with YCharts to profile a few of the modern tools that financial planners should be looking into. Designed for today's investors, YCharts provides powerful tools for financial planners to save time and improve client engagements. I use YCharts to research stocks, mutual funds, and ETFs, compare and track model strategies, and to keep my finger on the pulse of what's going on in the markets. Go to go.ycharts.com backslash FPA to get started on a free trial of the platform, and make sure to keep up with them on Twitter at YCharts. Love what you hear on this podcast? Join us in the FPA Activate Facebook community, where you'll find a community of other passionate planners like you. Not only that, but there are live How We Do What We Do sessions focused on what real financial planning looks like in practice. Be sure to join us there to lend your voice, become a better planner, and help grow the financial planning profession.